Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Hello, my name's Tom Allen. I'm the director at Sun Positive and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Louise Grossman, co-founder and director at Five Oceans. A passionate surfer, Louise and her partner Felix Wanner successfully launched the EcoFin, the world's first surfboard fin made from ocean waste. And they're working to launch other lifestyle products made from plastic recovered from the ocean. Five Oceans are also engaged in education and waste recovery programs, which teach the value of upcycling, entrepreneurship, and the circular economy. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Louise and Felix's story of world travel, discovering their passion, and how they went about successfully crowdfunding the Ecofin project. We'll hear about upcycling, circular economy and waste education, and we'll talk about some of the challenges involved in starting up a business looking to create positive social change and some strategies to help keep things running smoothly. Louise, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Louise, to start things off, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you into into this project of Five Oceans and the Ecofin? A lot of passion drove us into the project, I guess. It started off from definitely finding out so much about the marine pollution, of course, related to our passion for surfing and traveling, and also our backgrounds. Like I'm having a background in innovation and management and marketing, yep. whereas Felix, he's an engineer. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a good team to start off then. Yeah, we felt like we're kind of equipped for it and we we had both like we felt the yes we can do it and we had this there's nothing out there let's create it sure and that was basically the start when we uh, moved to australia about two and a half years ago Mm. he said like okay we have this idea which i probably explain a bit more in detail later um and we basically hit the ground running, started our research and felt like, okay, that's probably the biggest mission of our lives, but yeah. we want to take it on. Excellent. So making that decision, I think one thing is obviously having an idea. And then, like you said, the next thing is actually committing to it. What were those fine decisions you made around actually committing to turning an idea into a real product? It comes in flesh moments sometimes as I remember there have been those key moments where it just things like stood clear as day in front of me and I was like oh, of course we, we need to do this or or sure. that's the solution for that and and those kind of key moments kept coming mm. and and these key decisions and then you take this turn off to say like well at least I give it a go and then suddenly you feel like oh the response is positive there's there's good feedback, you talk to people, everyone is like, this idea is amazing. And then, of course... You've got to do it. Yeah, you feel like, okay, 
and probably if you are not like it's probably the thing not being scared of it just yeah. like okay well we we probably don't have all the answers right now but but there's an explorative approach to well let's try this and then suddenly this works and then one thing leads to the other and you feel like oh i like looking back what happened in probably the first year i would never have thought like that we're going so far and mm. and so many things like hatched from all these ideas and and suddenly like yeah and then you look back and you're like oh my god now i've created all that big thing sure, and now yeah. We need to push it even further and then like you do like what we did with the crowdfunding campaign and then like this worked out. It was always like, well, let's see if like this is the point of pivot. If the crowdfunding doesn't work, that's our answer. That's mm. probably the killing yep. point. And it never came to that stage when we said like, oh, it just doesn't work out. We had our moments that have been difficult, but and then solutions came and we were like, well, that's how a startup develops you know you, you encounter problems if you find a solution great and if it's just a killing point you need to have the courage as well to say no but yeah kept of kept on coming always positive and then further further and it grew so it's almost like you made these little small steps or goals and and they were sort of the gatekeepers as to you continuing or not yeah which makes you in the process probably takes a lot of pressure off you because you're not feeling, well, I have to achieve this big, big goal, which is mm. there in the end. You should know of that goal yeah. or be aware of it. But if you wake up every morning, you have to say, like, I have to clean the oceans. It's probably a bit, like, discouraging in the end. Yeah. But if you say, like, well, today I have to, I don't know, review our testing or mm. do this or do, like, like, tiny steps. Break it down into tiny tasks and missions and little projects or sub-projects. Yeah. And then things feel manageable. Of course, there's a lot of work in it and yep. it's exhausting, but it's also very rewarding. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like you've certainly made a few really big sacrifices to get this project going. In fact, you said you came to Australia two and a half or so years ago and you actually came from Germany, right? Yes. Um, and so what are those key sort of sacrifices that you feel you've made? And also what are the key challenges that you really come up against in pushing this idea forward? I ran away from the very bad weather. <laughs> I miss it so much. Terrible sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> and now I can surf every day. <laughs> um, but there's a, there's a river there in, in the Munich yeah. <laughs> where they can surf, right? I've yeah, seen that yeah. It's, it's really famous and really good. But yeah, I kind of prefer the ocean at the moment. Um, but yeah, there have been sacrifices, but... I think in probably similar to the breaking down things, I think you are not aware of all the sacrifices that are coming in the end. I, I guess I'm still not aware of what will come in the future as well, what I yeah. actually sacrifice. Mm. So looking at our situation now, I think, you know, and you sacrifice an ease of mind and uh, your safety, like financial safety and like all this which comes with a, the convenience that comes with a stable job yep. and all of that. That's definitely a sacrifice. On the other side, you have all these exciting things, mm -hmm. your freedom and flexibility. And for me, one of the most important things, the, the freedom to operate, to create ideas 
and just do them if I'm convinced or if I could convince someone else and like let's do it and sure. I think on the other side if you are employed you can have a great job but often I guess it's more difficult to realize your own ideas sure. um, yeah so sacrifice is definitely on the safety side um, time often of course you're running short on time all the time and, mm -hmm. and then you have of course your friends network and family falls a bit short yep. definitely yep. And then time for yourself, which sure. I'm really bad at. Yeah. It's like life, work-life balance. I, I try my best, you know, surf, surf life balance, I call it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then time to learn things. I felt that in the, you learn so much all the mm. time, but often, you know, now we are, we are working so much in like operation things, operational things, so many tasks to, to, to just set up things and then, yeah test if, if like the logistics works and etc and sometimes I miss the time to go a bit back and do like the base research for certain things have the yeah, time yeah. evaluated properly yeah. you know often you think like oh do that now quickly whatever a solution on hand and then often you have to give it to someone external anyway at some mm. stage give it to a lawyer you know whatever yeah. just get external help but yeah I, I miss a bit the the time to profoundly have the time to research ideas and, and solutions yeah. and learn. I'd love to, like, I don't know how many online little courses I started and I was really keen and then I, I just didn't have the time to, yeah. to finish that. Well, you're doing about 10 jobs at once at the moment. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And I'm learning a lot with that. So. <laughs> sure. But, yeah. And traveling between Byron Bay on the eastern coast of Australia up to, to Brisbane quite a bit as well. Yes, um, today we are in Brisbane. <laughs> and last week you were in Sydney. Yeah, last week I've been to Sydney and uh, drove all the way up to see um, surf shops all along the coast, which was very interesting, mm. like a retail tour and good relationship building. Yep. So on, on that note, I mean, in, in the intro, I've spoken a little bit about Five Oceans, but I'd love to hear it from, from you. What or who are Five Oceans and what is this Ecofin project? Like, what is it about? How did it start? And... Why the Ecofin? Five Oceans, as a brand, wants to transform rubbish into awesome products. Mm. And our flagship product is the Ecofin, which is a surfboard fin based on recycled ocean waste, yep. which is sourced from Bali in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And from that, to, in order to realize that, we developed a material which we call Ocean Composite. Mm -hmm. So basically, this is a composite material using recycled plastic and is fiber reinforced just to meet the quality standards, what is needed for a surfboard fin. Sure. And in order to overcome those challenges when you work with recycled materials, when they say like, oh, you know, it's like low quality or it's kind of like this performance challenge with recycled material and we want to bridge that gap and find solutions how can you actually show the world we don't need to produce more plastic we mm. can use what we have we just need to be smart enough to find the right material blends the right processes behind you know all the infrastructure is a big part of the quality in the end yeah. what the material can um, achieve and the biggest part was probably to say like you know can fly to the moon why wouldn't we would we scare away from making good plastic materials from rubbish i yeah. mean it sounds 
easier in my in my opinion and yeah we call the whole approach from waste to stoke yep which kind of summarizes that for us it's kind of our mantra what we say in the morning like from waste to stoke (laughs) but um it, it helps to explain the people what are you doing well we turn rubbish into great products and um that's what we love doing and we have achieved quite a bit but we want to go further we yep. want to create more products more materials link more supply chains together that we exactly know where is the rubbish coming from mm. what is happening on the recycling way how can we help communities to link to infrastructure because often it's like this the main problem is like people don't have the possibilities to discard of their rubbish properly. Sure. Of course, in countries like Australia, it's well organized, but, but in, in developing countries, um, there's so much work to do. Yeah. And just the example of Sweden, it was just recently in the media that Sweden is so good at recycling, they actually get rubbish from other countries now because they have to keep the recycling plants active. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think there's there's a lot of work to do, and and I personally really enjoy the the, 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 the waste management part of our work, and and, sure. and and work more or develop more of those infrastructure. And the second part is the education part, because we are not only creating a product. Of course, we're having a product, but we tell a story, and this to- story is also a way to raise awareness about the the bad state of our oceans and the pollution and how every single person can change their behavior in terms of like plastic bags straws whatever and i think through that product the ecofin we kind of brought together those two key parts like showing a solution and a way like an example for an industry or an example for the world Mm. but on the other hand linking that value and that educational awareness part to a product because 100% sure like when you buy this product you probably won't take a plastic bag anymore mm. because it changes you you understand suddenly what it's all about and, sure. and I've seen how much it changed my own behavior and I think there's the potential to to educate people through that as well. So you've spent quite a bit of time overseas traveling and especially in Indonesia, Bali. What are those particular educational programs you're involved in throughout the world? Um, how do they operate? And how is it essentially to go from a mindset from not understanding the, the consequences of, of wasting to one where people are more consequent with their ideas and actions? We do a lot of work with um, children because this is, in our opinion, a good way to, to start ed- educating people. And just lately, we've been with our friends from Project Purpose Mm -hmm. to Lombok, um, joining their trip where they install water filtration systems. Mm -hmm. And we propose to to do um, a beach cleanup with a local school in Lombok and do waste education with the children. And that was such such an eye-opening experience again. When you see those kids, they rushed off with their bags and, and, and tried to collect as much rubbish as they could. And, and they were so proud. And, and you could see in their eyes, I mean, of course, like I, I'm not <laughs> fluent in Indonesian, so we had translators and, and they would translate what I tried to explain that basically, you know, 
simple message, rubbish in the ocean or in the rivers has no value. If it's recycled correctly, you can do something out of that. Mm. And like these like small persons, they were standing there like full of doubt. And then I showed them the fin and they were like, oh, okay, makes sense. Cool, we're going to collect rubbish. Woo! And off they run. And I was like, oh my God, that's so amazing. And so we're going to uh, engage in quite a few more projects with Project Purpose mm. next year. Excellent. Also going to different destinations and... and doing the education part. Which I imagine leads to the prevention of, of the waste getting into those water streams in the first place. Yeah, and also education for the, the local communities. Like, what is... Most of them, they're not even aware of that. They have other mm. problems. Sure. Probably in their daily lives. Yep. But it doesn't mean they have to throw things just in the nature because there is more waste management going on. And, of course... Infrastructure needs to be developed, and um, that's what we engage with our partners in Bali, our uh, recycling partners. Yep. So they are doing a great job in, in helping to develop waste management infrastructure mm. all over the way. Sure. In Australia, we engaged in a longer-term school project where we took the kids on a mini version of our supply chain, which was a really rewarding experience for everyone. Mm -hmm. This means like we took the kids on beach cleanups, then we sorted the rubbish, um, identified valuable recyclable plastic, did cleaning and sorting. That was a really exciting experience for the kids. Hands-on well. experience. Yeah. Well. They... Suddenly, you know, this opens their eyes when you stand in like rubbish and you're sorting other people's rubbish. It kind of does something to you. And um, so did it to the kids. Yeah, and then we learned more about recycling together and took them on another session to visit our manufacturer. And then in the end, we actually created something together with them as well. Like mm. that was um, the Fin Keys for Five Oceans. And... I think to see how the kids grew throughout that experience, how they developed like a consciousness about the circular economy mm. as, a, as a whole, that I think that there was a really, really strong impact. When I talked to one example, one of the girls, I asked them in the, one of the last sessions, like, what do you think you're going to do in the future? And she was like, I don't know, maybe in marketing or maybe in this and that but I'm like the most important part of it is that it's something with a good cost I want to do something like like you do like something that has a, a reason wow. and a good cause behind and that's I was satisfying. like wow <laughs> that's really really job done yeah that was so like meaningful also to 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 hear that in the end mm. and, and and like oh wow that's brilliant to to see how young children can first have a vision of what yeah. they want to do like that they strive for something and and then um with those like values suddenly excellent so it's, i mean it's gone into education roughly 14 15 16 months ago you were literally launching a crowdfunding campaign and and that was probably another journey in itself no um whereby you had really this, this base idea, you, you had a strong goal around getting these things out to the world. Tell us about that crowdfunding campaign and what is it that you learnt about crowdfunding from going through and, and being successful with it? Yeah, the crowdfunding journey 
was really exciting. It was probably the first time also for us that we really put the the idea out there, mm. which is hands down a really scary moment to say like, okay, well, that's what we've done. Now it's up to the public to, to judge it and to give feedback. Sure. And, and that was a really, really key moment. Um, there's so much work involved into crowdfunding. So, and we took it even a bit further. Like you would find lots of crowdfunding campaigns to create movies. We did a movie for a crowdfunding campaign. <laughs> and, but it was, it came all naturally when we, we went to Bali to, to create that video for the crowdfunding campaign. Everything suddenly got bigger, the whole story got bigger and so many people wanted to be involved and be interviewed mm. and they had their aspects to, to add to the story and, and that was also such an amazing thing that we said like, oh well that's definitely more than just a four or five minutes video for, for Kickstarter. So we decided to create this whole documentary about it and use that documentary to, to support the Kickstarter campaign. That's a, a whole other project in itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give us more work. We're going to do <laughs> Yeah, but it helped us a lot for just getting the word out there. So we toured around, like when the movie was done, like we, we toured around Australia and Europe to do screenings and events. And mm. that helped, of course, to, to get crowdfunding project to a broader audience yeah and yeah i think the there are a few important steps to to consider before going for crowdfunding i mean it's such an amazing tool and so great that we have all those great platforms mm. now that provide crowdfunding platforms for different fields let's sure. say and that has changed a bit since we did the crowdfunding campaign i think like kickstarter what we did develop more towards very arty projects whereas mm -hmm. indiegogo has more the physical and practical product products yep but um so this is a important part to evaluate where what is your platform if you want to start mm -hmm. a crowdfunding campaign and then and there's certainly some focused on on sort of positive impact mm -hmm. um, social impact projects as well out there which yeah, uh, definitely. might stick a few links down to below yeah and also which country are you based in, mm. you know, different countries have Definitely. different like affinities towards different platforms. Yep. And yeah, first assess like, is my project, can I, can I offer that a value through crowdfunding? Meaning what does the, like, I think it's important to go back to that kind of design thinking approach a mm. bit to see like, what's the value for the user? Is it something they want to be involved in? Not every product is, or project is probably made for it just from the sense of it sure so very important probably step one to assess is is crowdfunding the right way to get funds and then decide which crowdfunding platform is the right one and then because the crowdfunding developed so rapidly to a very professional level i think now you almost need a crowdfunding to do a crowdfunding campaign <laughs> just because it's so professionally made like mm. we did everything by ourselves yep the videos and of course, lots of help from people, but sure. kind of everyone on a voluntary basis. Um, now you have agencies that do your crowdfunding. Mm. If you want to, you need to pay them, of course, yep. um, which changes the landscape a bit. Because if you're not in that high quality level, yep. it's hard to get like over this, I don't know, the big mass 
and then mm. just shine through that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very, very steep learning curve on that. It's important to activate all your network and be very persistent and have the balls to like push it all the way through mm. and pitch it everywhere and uh, convince people. Sure. Like if you cannot convince the people near to you, how would you convince someone from the distance which you've never known? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, get your message right, you know, learn how to tell your story or mm. find your story that you can tell and, yeah. and what moves the people. And I think a recurring theme, uh, something we've spoken about in the past and just earlier as well is is how short on time you are and how, how busy you are really in working all these different roles and jobs in Five Oceans and, you know, from making a documentary to to a crowdfunding campaign to then, you know, actually executing on the product, getting it out there, looking at the logistics, etc. And all of this has stemmed really from a passion around environmental impact and changing people's minds and turning this and linking this with your passion of surfing. So... When times have got tough, Louise, uh, do you have any strategies or, or tricks that you've used to try and really maintain that, that passion in the project to keep it alive and, and to keep moving forward? It's never tough. <laughs> when problems come up, it's really important that you figure out where does, where does the problem come from. And that's always the moment where I actually sit down, sit back, or we do that. That's a big teamwork Thing that we mm. do a lot together is structure the problem probably again coming back to breaking it down as we yep. had like always in the positive way for our growing yep. and when things get difficult break them apart mm. where's the point where it actually really stems from where's the sure. seed of the problem mm. and for that you need to dismantle everything so yeah, for example, if you have in the manufacturing now material testing when like things didn't work out quite well or we just had to go through a few iterations, sure. um, then it's really important to take that step back and say like where where do you find those points where he's like, okay, well that's actually the critical part. Mm-hmm. And and often some other problems are just the consequences of, of the first bit. Sure. And and I think that helps. I, I'm a very visual person, so I would like map out the thing, start with mm. the mind map, start over again, yep. and then like turn it around, and then I start like on a tiny piece of paper, and then I actually end up like scribbling on the white wall, like everything full. I'm like, oh, okay, now now I understand a bit more what is actually like the structural mm. problems behind. So the visualization of that and breaking it down has been a key element for you. Are there any other tools that that you've used along the way? to help you pull this project forward and keep things moving and deliver on that impact? Yeah, we use like all kinds of tools, like for example, Trello is a good tool for me just because like it helps me to structure tasks all the time and push them around and and, and anticipate their different stages and the different Mm. aspects that need to be done for a certain thing. And then also have that collaborative part of it. Saying yeah. like, uh, okay, well, that's where it goes to someone else and then you can assign it to someone, which is, has been really useful for me. I'm a very big to-do list person. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy taking off those goals. Yeah. Sometimes I find myself actually noting things down that are already done just so that I can take them off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It keeps you going. <laughs> Excellent. So have you found any other environmental or social issues throughout your travels 
that you believe should be or could be getting tackled through an initiative such as Five Oceans? I mean, the waste waste problem is definitely a big one. I'd love to see a lot more projects happening in in transportation, mm. which I think is a big issue for the future that needs to be sorted. What I see, especially here in Australia, is like carpooling things don't work really here. Mm. It's just such a shame because it would be so easy. And, and I know people that are, have that have developed um, projects in that mm. in that field, like Myla, for example. And it's just a tough field to establish mm. those systems. Sure. And uh, I think, but but there's a huge need for change, I guess, especially if you see all the traffic. Pooh, it's a tough question. I mean. There's, there's so many issues all around the world that should be tackled and solved. Louise, have you come across any other inspiring projects or initiatives recently that are creating that positive uh, social and environmental change? One of our favourite partners here in Australia is uh, Clean Coast Collective. And I think they're doing an amazing job in being inspiring and adventurous about the beach cleanup idea mm. and they they add such an incredible value to like that motivates people to to go on beach cleanups to 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 get involved to protect our marine environment mm. which i really really admire and they're doing a great job you know linking that with a like great aesthetics and just yeah having that like thing that is needed probably to inspire people and, and making, I don't know, environmental activities sexy. Mm, sure. It sounds like a great initiative, Louise. So to finish off, are there any really good reads or resources that you'd recommend to the listeners that have perhaps helped you along the way or given you some good processes or, or, or inspirational thoughts to get you moving? One of my favourite books for the startup field would probably be Guy Kawasaki's The Art of Start uh-huh. because it really breaks down things to like lists and there's no fuzz around things. It's it's very, very naked. Yep. You just get like, okay, things work like this or should work like this and instruct just like the whole idea of starting a business. It gives you a bit more an idea like what else is there to do. Mm. And and also Eric Ries, uh, The Lean Starter is quite a good inspiration to to optimize them mm. like to, to make things just better and, and not losing so much time in your processes yeah and for a lot of marketing understanding i like the thinking fast and slow by daniel kahneman it's just it's just about our like how we work as uh, as humans mm. but it makes you understand a lot in the end right why people behave sometimes and how you can actually like crack that and say mm. like oh if I want to achieve that what what do I have to like communicate in the yep. end that's like one there's of my favourites there's a few good reads in there I'm yeah. sure <laughs> Louise thanks so much for your valuable time and, and insights today we really appreciate it and Thank you. perhaps we'll touch base again in, in the future yes love to Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact 
every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.